Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We got Nathan. Hey, there you go, Jack. <laughs> Thank you. How are you doing there, partner? I'm doing great. How about yourself? No, I'm not going to complain about nothing right now. <laughs> How in the world has everything been up there? Good. Really good. Yeah. You guys aren't suffering any rain problems, are you? No, we haven't had a damn bit of rain for a month, but it's cloudy today, and we may get some finally. Oh, how about you guys? You getting a lot of rain? Well, we're getting a moderate amount, but not not just a great deal. Morning, Suzanne. Hi. Hey. How you Como están todos? <laughs> Missed you for birthdays on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. I've been having a crazy, crazy, crazy time. Miss you guys. How are those grandkids doing? They're doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you at now? Are you at home? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. These guys all left uh, last Thursday. It was a great week. Oh, so nice. Yeah, the little girl just started crawling, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those little girls wrap you around their little, your little finger. <clears throat> well, oh. that's what they say. She hadn't done it yet. That little boy was, I'll say that. Oh, you just wait, Nathan. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting, yeah. <laughs> hey, Kelly. Morning. Morning, Kelly. Morning. Good morning. Well, I see Regina's up around here somewhere, but. Yeah, she went to go get coffee, so she'll be back in a moment. <laughs> Are we going to have another person, too? We were supposed to, but they changed their mind again as to what class they're joining. So as of the moment, they're going to be in an evening class. I won't guarantee that won't change. <laughs> All right. So we'll see. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, that's been an interesting person to deal with. So we'll see. They've, they've 
changed the situation several times as to what they could or couldn't do. So. Well, they just don't know what they're missing out until they join us. Yeah. I know. I'm like, ours is going to be much funner. Well, <laughs> funner. Okay. More fun. They don't do Zoom, right? Huh? They don't use Zoom on the other yeah. classes? Yeah, I was trying to get them to do Zoom, but there was actually a conflict of classes, so I wasn't able to get them on Zoom. But um, that instructor was like, oh, you know, the girls don't want to be on Zoom because then they have to have their makeup and all done. Oh, my God. Are you I, I don't... <laughs> I don't know if that's the real reason or not, you know, I was kind of like, we all manage and we're at eight in the morning, so. Well, we're, we're a dominant Texas group here, I have to say that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're intimidated, right, by us Texans. Yeah, there's, there's three Texans no. here. They better be on their toes, yeah. That's right. <laughs> well, well, good news, yeah. well, coffee maker arrived. Hi, everybody. Good morning. <laughs> no, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I was just being silent. I'm here. I will let my presence be seen in just a moment. I had to run out in the rain. Oh, no. Yeah. Get your lipstick I, on, Gina. I know. How's everyone? Doing great. 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 I promise. I promise. I promise. I promise to be quiet and no distractions, okay? I just needed to get some more light in here. There we go. <laughs> Hi, Susan, how are you? I'm good, Regina, you're looking good in orange. Yeah, all right. Thank you, appreciate you. <laughs> probably, probably need to adjust that camera a little bit. I think I will, I think I'll do that just for you. <laughs> Just point, you're just going to point it to a picture on the wall, aren't you? Yes, you know, okay. How about that? Hello. Yeah. Hi, family. That's a visual kind of guy, you know? Yeah. Let there be light, let there be love. Okay. All right. Well, you guys aren't swimming too bad, huh? Not yet. Not yet. Good. Yeah, we talked to Reverend Lizbeth, and I thought, from what she said, I thought you guys were getting really flooded. Not flooded, but a lot, a lot of rain. So I'm glad to hear it's been pretty good for you. Boy, no, no, up here, it's, it's not bad at all. Okay, good. But down, down in Houston, it's, it's horrific. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was in Austin for the weekend. It just rained like a monsoon for days. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh. That wasn't a bad area. Wow. Oh, we lost your lovely face again, Regina. Uh-oh. I'm here. I'm here. Trust me. I'm here. Okay. There we go. Okay. <laughs> and I will be still. <laughs> <laughs> now don't make promises you can't keep. Come on. <laughs> Jack, I promise you, I promise you, at, listen, it, 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 I have made this my intention for today, okay, to be still, okay. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> and so it is. <laughs> oh, well, let's get started. We're on Thorns and Lilies. Which is well, which is pocket edition 432. Uh, hardcover is 403. 
Susan, where are you at? 525. 525? Mm -hmm. And large print is 525. Thank you, thank you, thank you. To me, Jack, Nathan, Regina, Susan. Sounds good. Well, everybody ready? Good, Thorns and Lilies. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. yes. <laughs> Look upon all the trinkets made to hang upon the body or to cover it or for its use. See all the useless things made for its eyes to see. Think on the many offerings made for its pleasure. And remember all these were made to make seem lovely what you, what you hate. <laughs> Would you employ this hated thing to draw your brother to you and to attract his body's eyes? Learn you but offer him a crown of thorns, not recognizing it for what it is, and trying to justify your own interpretation of its value by his acceptance. Yet still the gift proclaims his worthlessness to you as his acceptance and delight acknowledges the lack of value he places on himself. Mm. Gifts are not made through <laughs> if they be truly given and received. For bodies can neither off... Oh, wait. I only do one paragraph, don't I? No, you can do as many as you want. Go, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Gifts are not made through bodies if they tr be truly given and received. For bodies can neither offer nor accept, hold out nor take. Only the mind can value, and only the mind decides on what it would receive and give. And every gift it offers depends on what it wants. It will adorn its chosen home most carefully, making it ready to receive the gifts it wants by offering them to those who come unto its chosen home or those it would attract to it. And there they will exchange their gifts, offering and receiving what their minds judge to be worthy of them. Who's next? Uh, Nathan, you are. Okay. Each gift is an evaluation of the receiver and the giver. No one but sees in his chosen home an altar to himself. No one but seeks to draw to it the worshipers of what he placed upon it, making it worthy of their, devo of their devotion. And each has set a light upon his altar that they may see what he has placed upon it and take it for their own. Here is the value that you lay upon your brother and on yourself. Here is your gift to both, your judgment on the Son of God for what he is. Forget not that it is your Savior to whom the gift is offered. Offer him thorns, and you are crucified. Offer him lilies, and it is you, and it is yourself who's free. Uh, Regina. I have great need for lilies. Oh, no, it's not my turn. Season. <laughs> Regina, you're on paragraph eight. She said she was going to do nothing. Yeah, so she's very still now. She is. Makes me think we lost her. Okay, go for it, Susan. Are you there? Oh, 
No, well, I'm here. I'm here. There you are. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. I have great need for lilies, for the Son of God has not forgiven me. And can I offer him forgiveness when he offers thorns to me? For he who offers thorns to anyone is against me still. And who as who is whole without I think we lost her. I think we lost her again. Susan, go ahead and start with um, Be You His Friend, and you can finish out her paragraph. Okay. Be you his friend for me that I may be forgiven, and you may look upon the Son of God as whole. But look, for, look you first upon the altar in your chosen home and see what you have laid upon it to offer. Separation. <laughs> Are you guys hearing me? No. Yeah, you keep freezing. Okay. So that's I, I'm I having, don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm having Susan finish out your paragraph, and then we'll wrap around to you next time. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That's no problem. Mm -hmm. If it be thorns whose points gleam sharply in a blood-red light, the body is your chosen home, and it is separation that you offer me, and yet the thorns are gone. Look you still closer at them now, and you will see your altar is no longer what it was. You look still with the body's eyes, and they can see but thorns. Yet you have asked for and received another sight. Those who accept the Holy Spirit's purpose as their own share also his vision. And what enables him to see his purpose shines forth from every altar now is yours as well as his. He sees no strangers, only really loved and loving friends. He sees no thorns but only lilies, gleaming in the gentle glow of peace that shines on everything he looks upon and loves. <clears throat> This Easter, look with different eyes upon each other. You have forgiven me, and yet I cannot use your gift of lilies while you see them not. Nor can you use what I have given unless you share it. The Holy Spirit's vision is no idle gift, no plaything to be tossed about a while and laid aside. Listen and hear this carefully, nor think it but a dream a careless thought to play with, or a toy you would pick up from time to time and then put by. For if you do, so will it be to you. You have the vision now to look past all illusions. It has been given you to see no thorns, no strangers, and no obstacles to peace. The fear of God is nothing to you now. Who is afraid to look upon illusions, knowing his Savior stands beside him? With him, your vision has become the greatest power for the undoing of the illusion God himself could give. For what God gave the Holy Spirit, you have received. The Son of God looks unto you for his release, for you have asked for it and have and been given the strength to look upon this final obstacle and see no thorns nor nails to crucify the Son of God and crown him king of death. Your chosen home is on the other side, beyond the veil. It has been carefully prepared for you, and it is ready to receive you now. You will not see it with the body's eyes, yet you, yet all you need, you have. And then, Regina, I think yours is looking better. We can see you moving, so... <laughs>
Okay, okay, okay. Um, your home has called to you since time began. Nor have you ever failed entirely to hear. You heard but knew not how to look nor where. And now you know. In you the knowledge lies, ready to be unveiled, freed from all the terror that kept it hidden. There is no fear in love. The song of Easter is the glad refrain, the Son of God was never crucified. Let us lift up our eyes together, not in fear, but faith. And there will be fear in us. For in our vision, will be no illusions, only a pathway to the open door of heaven, the home we share in quiet and where we live in gentleness and peace as one. Would you not have your holy brother lead you there? His innocence will light your way, offering you its guiding light and sure protection and shining from the holy altar within him, <clears throat> lilies of forgiveness. Let him be to you the savior from illusions and look on him with the new vision that looks upon the lilies and brings you joy. We go beyond the veil of fear, lighting each other's way. The holiness that leads us is within us, as is our home. So we will find what we were meant to find by him who leads us. This is the way to heaven and to the peace of Easter in which we join in glad awareness that the Son of God is risen from the past and has awakened to the present. Now is he free, unlimited in his communion with all that is within him. Now are the lilies of his innocence untouched by guilt and perfectly protected from the cold chill of fear and withering blight of sin alike. Your gift has saved him from the thorns and nails and his strong arm is free to guide you safely through them and beyond. Walk with him now rejoicing, for the Savior from illusions has come to greet you and lead you home with him. Here is your Savior and your friend, released from crucifixion through your vision and free to lead you now where he would be. He will not leave you nor forsake the Savior for his pain. And gladly will you walk the way of innocence together, singing as you behold the open door of heaven and recognize the home that called to you. Give joyously to one another the freedom and the strength to lead you there and come before each other's holy altar where the strength and freedom wait to offer and receive the bright awareness that leads you home. The lamp is lit in both of you for one another, and by the hand that gave it to each other shall both of you be lit past fear to love. I'm like, this is a much happier section than we were in a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's just interesting i like the um especially the first half where it talks about you know it's like when you give a gift 
it's like, you know, the gift is just as much a reflection on you as it is the person you're giving it to. It's never like, oh, I'll give you a crappy gift and it's just because you're a crappy person. You know? <laughs> it's, it's like anything we say and do is really, you know, reflecting not only what we think of our brothers, but it ultimately reflects what we think of ourselves too. Um, and I just really like that. But then it was interesting. I like the paragraph 10 where the author is saying, it says, yet I cannot use your gift of lilies while you see them not, nor can you use what I have given unless you share it. And so it's like, it's interesting that, you know, our perception is limiting what, you know, Jesus or whoever you want to say this is rightness. Um, that our perception of the, of it is actually affecting, you know, it's, it's really kind of bringing home that we're not in this alone. This, this is not something we do as individuals, that we are all one. And so it's what we do affects everything. And then, you know, that you can't use what you've been given unless you're giving it. You have to share it. It's, it's you can't just become a hermit and keep it all to yourself. Oh, shucks. <laughs> yeah, well, I, part of the, go I, ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Nate. I like that nine, the, the paragraph before that, too, the first sentence. You look still with the body's eyes, and they can see but thorns. It, that's just a good example of there's two worlds, and they have no overlap. And these five senses are just liars, you know? So it's just another example of, you know, don't, you know, that's where perception is. And, and uh, it's not trustworthy. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, I think what it does, it points a lot to me to uh, how we define uh, thorns and lilies. Is, is uh, anybody got any thoughts on what they, what they what he thinks he's talking about when he's talking about thorns? It's fear and love, isn't it? Fear and love. I mean, I think person. I, I, I think. I mean, I think. Yeah, I, say, I, I think the, 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 what do you call it? Uh, whatever. What it's what's referencing is the you know. I mean, ultimately, it's the fear and love. I think it's the Easter references. You know, because this is it's interesting. Easter gets referenced like five or six times throughout the course because it was written over so many years, so frequently say, it's Easter time, and then 200 pages later, it's like, it's Easter time, because it's another year when it was written. Um, so recognizing that that, I think it's just literally talking about, you know, it's using the, the thorn, you know, the crown of thorns that Jesus had, and the Easter lilies that we now celebrate with um, as symbols, as, as Jack was saying, of... Um, or sorry, but as Nathan was saying, a fear and love. Well, you know, I go back to the first paragraph and uh, and, and number five, I guess. <clears throat> it says, look upon all the trinkets made to hang upon the body or to cover it or for its uses. See all the useless things made for its eyes to see. Things Think of the many offerings made for its pleasure and remember all those were made to make seem lovely what you hate. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I don't know, but to me it, it's saying that, you know, it's all these things that we 
used to to basically gain acceptance of others, to to attract others, to to make us seem what we're not. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the thorns uh, to me. These are the things that are saying, Jesus, look at this. Aren't I this? Aren't I that? When he really sees us for what we are, he knows who we are. Okay? We are as he is. But we're putting up all of these images and all of these facades. And and that's not who we are. But these are the thorns. He says, if we can't get rid of those thorns, those images, those thoughts that we have that make us appear to be something that we're not, then we're not going to be able to receive. That's that's what it's saying to me. Well, it's like what we talked about last week too, Jack. We, we put value in the material form world, and the body is the principal one where we start from. Mm-hmm. And we put value on the valueless. So it's just a matter of letting the spirit, you know, this... Uh, invest for us. Susan, Regina? Well, yeah, for me, it takes me, it takes me back in thought to uh, last week's chapter on pleasure and pain. And then um, how we, the perceptions that we attach to anything, okay, whether it's relationships, items, or um, experiences and the thorns come forth when we don't allow that love to exude from within us instead of looking for it outside of us and what are those thorns how how do you what do you see as thorns The, the thorns being the perceptions that of attachment that we um that we allow to be our life experience um whether it's an emotion whether and we lost her again (laughs) Mm. (sighs) what happened susan oh i'm struggling with this one um, in what way? Uh, <clears throat> Be honest now. <laughs> Did you hear me? Yeah. Did you hear me? No. You know, yeah, we lost you part way. Oh, God. It's raining here. It's really windy. I'm by the ocean. So maybe that's what's going on. But I promise you, I'm being still paying attention. Yeah, no, I, I, that's what I'm figuring. There's so much weather issues this week. So, um, yeah, if we lose you, then we'll just keep going and then hop back in when we can hear you. We noticed you're keeping your promise of being still a lot. I am. I am. I'm trying real hard. Well, I'm not trying hard. I am doing it, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying hard. I'm doing it. <laughs> oh. Anyway, Susan, you were saying that I am struggling to keep looking past the thorns that I'm assigning. Um, you know, my, my story here with Bill and Regina, Bill is my husband of 30. I've been with him 32 years. Um, 
I keep looking at him differently than I ever have in the past and, you know, letting go and forgiving and blah, 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 blah. But then something else comes up and something else comes up and something else comes up and something else comes up. And, <clears throat> and I have just been this, um, you know, I just run to the Holy Spirit and keep asking for guidance and for peace. I just keep seeing him in the light, you know, of a, I want this holy relationship. I want to maintain it as best I can. Um, while we go through this, you know, divorce process, which we haven't been able to do yet, you know, living together um, until we can reach a financial place. But I just found out that he's been lying to me even further still. So I get tested constantly. I mean, it, you know, first it was about paying money to, you know, to another girl. Then it was about a big lawsuit. And now, you know, this man is 70 years old and he's now going to have a baby with a 32 year old and the baby's due in a month and a half. And I just got hit with this and it's just like, had me reeling. And, you know, it was just kind of like a slow tsunami, you know, when I got, with, got the news and I confronted him and he, told me it was true, I was, I did that whole, you know, <laughs> he's a son of God, you know, I mean, I mean, I hung in there, but then it was like I said, like this little tsunami wave came over me just very slowly, the impact just is like, when is enough enough? You know, how much do I have to, how good do I have to be? What a good, how good of a person do I have to continue to be? How loving, you know, can't I see one thorn? You know, don't I get that? I mean, and, and I keep these perceptions of attachment away. But the devastation that it is causing all around me, my children, my family, um, even himself, the, they're not in love anymore. You know, this whole thing was planned. He thought he would be divorced. Um, but it, there's so much insanity involved around it. She's an illegal from China. Um, there's another woman that wants the baby so she can be married to Bill. I mean, it's just nuts. So I just went out really bad. Like yesterday, I got to get out of this house. It is bringing me down. You know, I'm, I'm, I just feel like I'm holding him up. It's bringing me, it's really hard. So I'm, I'm just reading all of this and struggling, you know, I'm not, supposed to see the thorns i'm not supposed to have any attachments and it's just hard as hell so <clears throat> i don't know i'm i agree with everything i'm reading and i just think it's so beautiful i just i'm struggling my way through it so well, I, I would say that's what i want to acknowledge susan for you is that you are looking and recognizing it. And I, I've, I've said, to, I've had friends have said to me, they said, it seems like it's so much harder when they get on the spiritual path. Yeah. It's not that it's harder, it's you're more aware of it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that it's harder. It's not, I mean, it's harder when you feel angry, rage and all that. That to me is right. what's hard. And I'm beyond that. It's just all the fallout, you know, it's just, it's like trying to figure out the rest of. Yeah. No, but I think you're doing good. And um, I am. I am. It sounds like 
yeah, and, and I can't even imagine what, what this has felt like for you, but it sounds to me from what I'm hearing that this is almost like giving you motivation and guidance as to what mm -hmm. you need to do now going forward. That's um, true. Yeah, yeah, and let yourself feel it and just recognize, you know, it's not that he, yes, he deserves it as a child of God, you know, and you can get all spiritual and woo-woo and sound great. But what I would encourage you even more is to recognize that you as a child of God deserve to be happy. Sure. And if these things aren't making you happy and dealing with him ain't making you happy. Yeah, I'm making those steps next. I'm seeing an attorney tomorrow. I'm going to do mediation okay. this weekend. You know, it's time. Okay. But, um, you know, as I was reading, I read this whole section that we're doing today. And <laughs> it just gets worse. That's good. Yeah. It's worse. Our love and forgiveness. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it works. Oh. You know? Yeah. It's okay. Well, I think it's important that you, that you, you, you know, you don't avoid what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, definitely don't avoid it. Uh, yeah, but I understand. A what? I just suddenly got real numb around it, you know? Yeah. I'm yeah. kind of like, uh, you know, somebody said to me, you're like an abused wife. You just keep putting up with stuff. And I don't feel that way yeah. because, yeah, like, you can't describe the force to somebody and make them understand what you're doing. No, I think I think it's necessary that you go ahead and take whatever actions you have yeah. to, to yeah. go ahead and, and and terminate whatever's causing you to be out of peace. Yeah. Uh, and and that's that's one of those things that mm -hmm. you, you don't have control over that, but yet you do have control over how it continues to affect your life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll jump in there just a sec too, Sis, because I I've been going through the same thing since December. You know, and then asking, you know, the holy relationship is what I want. But then the spirit showed me exactly when when is enough enough. Yeah. And then finally, you know, after about three times, it was so obvious. You know, okay, I finally got the message. You know, and and it and it's all clear. But I was holding on to you know, well, I didn't want to do anything either until I got it really clear. Yeah. When I got locked out of the house, lost my passport, and you know, just everything, it was really clear then. There's a, yeah. a yeah. new identity, Nathan. What more do you want? You know. So. Yeah, I think you have to do everything you can, and then you got to let it go. And I mean, I wasn't trying to save the marriage, but I'm trying to save no. a relationship. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. you know, and, and one, just one other thing, uh, you know. The, the thing about, you know, all these feelings that come up, you know, you don't want to ignore them. You don't want to avoid them. You want to, you want to turn around and start recognizing them for what they are because they can be very damaging to your peace. Yeah. Okay. And, but you don't want to ignore them. You don't want to avoid them. Okay. You want to recognize them for what they are. They are things that have brought some misunderstanding and misinterpretation into your life. Mm -hmm. And you really don't necessarily know how to deal with them. Yeah. Okay. And, and how to interpret them. Okay. So what's most important is to be at peace because when you're at peace, what happens? We open the communication between the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is able to give us guidance. Yes. But if we're not willing to yes. do that, yeah, we're yeah. going to continue to be in turmoil and, and be out of peace. 
don't worry about the the consequences. You you put your trust. He says, put your faith and your trust in the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> and just let it fall out the way it needs to fall out. Yeah. What's important is you be at peace and you be in communication okay. with the Holy Spirit with that guidance. The rest of it will, the Holy Spirit will work it out in ways that you won't even understand. Yeah, I know you're so right. Thanks, Jack. I appreciate that. So yeah. And Nathan, I think you're right. This was my, this was yeah. my. It's like an opera, you know, they got the last song in. You know, for what it's worth, it came through this week, uh, the book Moby Dick. I hadn't thought about that in a long time, but it's kind of a good metaphor, no? You were, we're on the ocean of consciousness, and here comes this whale up from the, you know, and that's our unconscious guilt or our anger, whatever the emotions that we haven't dealt with. And it's only there for a short time. You know, that's our opportunity. When these things get flushed up, ah, uh, there's the whale, you know, it's time to deal with it before it goes back down again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's a great example. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm finally just starting to yeah. see that because like when this when I first got hit with the news, Ooh. when it was first first thought and before I said anything to him, the first thing I did was sit down and I was just like, What the hell? Like why why more? Like why does it have to be anymore? But it, the whale was coming up, you know, and I totally put me in a different place. You know, I talked to my kids and they're like, mom, you have to do this. And I, you know, and it, it just, I got different perspective and yeah, yeah, I agree with my, I got my Moby Dick. It's great. It's super. Those are opportunities when he comes up yeah. instead of, you know, running, it's time to, you know, deal with him and, uh, yeah. oh well. And you know, it, it, it talks about you, you, and you'll hear this in a course a lot. You need do nothing, okay? That it, it's it's not talking about you need do nothing to resolve the issue, okay? Okay, it means you need not burden yourself with more pain and agony that you put yourself through with all these unnecessary thoughts that take you out of peace. Yeah. So it's important to understand that there's a difference there, okay? And 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 need do nothing does not mean that you don't take action to Absolutely. take care of the situation. You do need to do that. Yeah. On a side note, Susan, and we'll move on mm -hmm. once I say this. Um, yeah, you, you made an interesting statement. It just kind of jumped out at me because I got this a lot after I separated from my ex. Was you said, you know, somebody said, kind of like almost it's almost like you're an abused wife um and you okay. said but they kind of don't understand you know because you're putting up with stuff over and over and over and you're like but yeah i'm coming from the course um i would just offer you you know and this is just my experience and maybe i'm just projecting it and it's not anything to do with yours but if it is take from it what it is i got i found out like people had actually asked my parents if, if my husband was beating me because they were like she acts like an abused wife um <clears throat> And, you know, I realized, you know, there was that part of me that spiritualized it, like, oh, you know, I'm trying to forgive him and I'm trying to be loving and that's why I keep putting up with this stuff. And, you know, like, it, I mean, it took me a while, but later I realized, I was like, no, it wasn't. It was, it was the mentality of an abused wife that I was trying to get validation, like, oh, look what a good wife I am. I'm putting up with him, you know? Um, and it was that fear of, I mean, there was, there was just a lot of issues 
Um, and so even though you think, well, yeah, it's, it's, you know, like, well, I'm trying to approach this from a spiritual path. And so that's why it's, you know, I, I would just, if you get a chance, maybe look up like emotional abuse mm-hmm. and just kind of allow yourself to kind of consider what might come up for you in that. Sure. Um, yeah. There was a lot for me and that's what, I mean, if, mm-hmm. I mean, I will use that term sometimes now. I'll say, yeah, my husband was emotionally abusive. Mm-hmm. So it's something to look at for you. I think they're also emotionally abusive with themselves too, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I think that's the that's the root of it. Mm-hmm. That's the root of it. I yep. agree. Yeah. So in okay, the meantime, Susan, got five more sections. Yeah, today. <laughs> I'm like, I want to keep talking to Susan and give her a big hug, but <laughs> I got my hugs. Okay. <laughs> I was just getting ready to say that. In the meantime, Susan, feel the warmth, the love, and all the hugs that we surround you with. Thank you, Regina. You're welcome. Ooh, red okay. loss. I, I have no clue. I think I ended. Okay. okay. So Nathan. Sin is an adjustment. Belief in sin is an adjustment. And... An adjustment is a change, a shift in perception or a belief that what was so before has been made different. Every adjustment is therefore a distortion and calls upon defenses to uphold it against reality. Knowledge requires no adjustment and in fact is lost if any shift or change is undertaken. For this reduces it at once to mere perceptions, a way of looking in which certainty is lost and doubt has entered. To this impaired condition are adjustments necessary because they are not true. Who needs who need adjust to truth, which calls on only what he is to understand? Adjustments of any kind are of the ego, for it is the ego's fixed belief that all relationships depend upon adjustments to make of them what it would have them to have them be direct relationships in which there are no interferences are always seen as dangerous. The ego is the self-appointed mediator of all relationships, making whatever adjustments it deems necessary and interposing them between those who would meet to keep them separate and prevent their union. It is this studied interference which makes it difficult for you to recognize the relationship for what it is. The holy do not interfere with truth. They are not afraid of it, for it is within the truth they recognized their holiness and rejoiced at what they saw. They looked on it directly without attempting to adjust themselves to it or it to them. And so they saw that it was in them, not deciding first where they would have it be. Their looking merely asked a question, and it was what they saw that answered them. You make the world and then adjust to it and it to you. Nor is there any difference between yourself and it in your perception, which made them both. A simple question yet remains and needs an answer. Do you like what you have made? Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) A world of murder and attack through which you thread your timid way through constant dangers, alone and frightened, hoping at most that death will wait a little longer before it overtakes you and you disappear. You made this up. It is a picture of what you think you are, of how you see yourself. 
A murderer is frightened, and those who kill fear death. All these are but the fearful thoughts of those who would adjust themselves to a world made fearful by their adjustments. And they look out in sorrow from what is sad within and see the sadness there. Hmm. Have you not wondered what the world is really like? How it would look through happy eyes? The world you see is but a judgment on yourself. It is not there at all. Your judgment lays a sentence on it, justifies it, and makes it real. Such is the world you see, a judgment on yourself and made by you. This sickly picture of yourself is carefully preserved by the ego, whose image it is and which it loves, and placed outside you in the world. That's an important statement. And to this world must you adjust, as long as you believe this picture is outside and has you at its mercy. This world is merciless, and were it, and were it outside you, you should indeed be fearful. Yet it was you who made it merciless. And now if mercilessness seems to look back at you, it can be corrected. Who in a holy relationship can long remain unholy? The world the holy see is one with them, just as the world ego looks upon is like itself. The world the holy see is beautiful because they see their innocence in it. They did not tell it what it was. They did not make adjustments to fit their orders. They gently questioned it and whispered, what are you? And he who watches over all perception answered, Take not the judgment of the world as answer to the question, what am I? <laughs> and Regina. The world believes in sin, but yeah. the belief that made it as you see it is not outside you. Seek not to make the Son of God adjust to his insanity. There is a stranger in him who wandered carelessly into the home of truth and who will wander off he came without a purpose but he will not remain before the shining light the holy spirit offered and you accept it for there the stranger is made homeless and you are welcome ask not this transient stranger what am i he is the only thing in all the universe that does not know yet it is he you asked, and it is it, it and it is through his answer that you would adjust. This one wild thought, fierce in its arrogance and yet so tiny and meaningless, it slips unnoticed through the universe of truth, becomes your guide. To it you turn to ask the meaning of the universe, and of the one blind thing in all the seeing universe of truth, you ask, How shall I look upon the Son of God? Does one ask judgment of what is totally bereft of judgment? And if you have, would you believe the answer and adjust to it as if it were the truth? The world you look on is the answer that it gave you. And you have given it power to adjust the world to make its answer true. You ask this puff of madness for the meaning of your unholy relationship and adjusted it according to its insane answer. How happy did it make you? Did you meet with joy to bless the Son of God and give him thanks for all the happiness which he held out to you? 
Did you recognize each other as the eternal gift of God to you? Did you see the holiness that shone in both of you to bless the other? That is the purpose of your holy relationship. Ask not the means of its attainment of the one thing that still would have it be unholy. Give it no power to adjust the means and end. Prisoners bound with heavy chains for years, starved and emaciated, <clears throat> weak and exhausted, with eyes so long cast down in darkness, they remember not the light. Do not leap up in joy the instant they are made free. It takes a while for them to understand what freedom is. You groped but feebly in the dust and found each other's hand, uncertain whether to let it go or to take hold on life so long forgotten. Strengthen your hold and raise your eyes unto your strong companion in whom the meaning of your freedom lies. He seems to be crucified beside you, and yet his holiness remained untouched and perfect. With him, with, and with him beside you, you shall this day enter with him to paradise and know the peace of God. Such is my will for both of you and for each of you, for one another and for himself. Here there is only holiness and joining without limit. For what is heaven but union, direct and perfect and without the veil of fear upon it? Here we are one looking with perfect gentleness upon each other and on ourselves. Here all thoughts of any separation between us become impossible. You who were prisoners in separation are now made free in paradise. And here would I unite with you, my friends, my brothers, and myself. Your gift unto each other has given me the certainty our union will be soon. Share, then this faith with and know that it is justified. There is no fear in perfect love because it knows no sin and it must look on others as on itself. Looking with charity within, what can it fear without? The innocent see safety and the pure in heart see God within his son and look unto the son to lead them to the father. And where else would they go? but where they will to be. Each of you now will lead the other to the Father as surely as God created his Son holy and kept himself. In your brother is the light of God's eternal promise of, you in, of your immortality. See him as sinless. There can be no fear in you. Hmm. I say, Regina, I'm going to let you chime in first because it sounds like you have a good connection at the moment. So, Yeah, that just, uh, wow. Um, 27 is really where I try to come mm -hmm. from uh, sincerely in all of my walks without, um, without judgments, without... Um, really trying to understand uh, what's going on around me. You know, I concentrate as best I know how and just living, just living and being 
in that now moment, um, just of love, you know, the love that I know, not an emotion, but um, an expression of God that lives within me. I love paragraph 25. That whole paragraph was just like, <laughs> me laugh and cry. Um, you know, I just assume so many of us have been through that whole story, bound with heavy chains for years, <laughs> starved and emaciated, you know, and then you don't remember the light, you don't leap up in joy the in it, you know, the instant you made free. You, know, you have to come to understand what freedom is. But then the part where it says, strengthen your hold and raise your eyes unto your strong companion and whom the meaning of your freedom lies, he seemed to be crucified beside you. you know, it just pulls everything together and just makes me feel this tremendous relief. Well, I say, and you actually skipped the one sentence I had underlined and marked for you, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. I, uh, it takes a while for them to understand what freedom is. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I, I know when my ex, the last, the, you know, the, the breaking point for me, I was like, what is he doing? You know, and it was just like this devastating. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, thank goodness he did it. Cause that way I, I got out of there finally, you know? Um, but you know, be gentle with yourself. It may take time. <clears throat> we deal with this in so, so many of our relationships. It's, to different degrees it's, it's just well every, every i think every relationship, every relationship has a tendency to go that direction yeah unless uh you are making i guess i'll just call it headway uh towards having a holy relationship mm -hmm. uh because a holy relationship you, you 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 don't make judgments on each other it's it, it truly is an unconditional relationship mm -hmm. uh, and unfortunately we get into relationships and then we get these ideas well i've got to you know have you, you start having expectations and then you start thinking about their expectations and and then the judgments start you know coming in there and, and, and it just gets all in turmoil and, and until you can see each other as truly a holy son of God, uh, you know, just within you, within yourself and, and as one, you know, seeing the holy relationship is, is very difficult in this experience, mm -hmm. but it is this experience that gives us an opportunity to see it and yeah. to practice <clears throat> being in a holy relationship. But yeah. we do have to make the effort. I think the holy relationship, uh, Jack, that's the, the only, only minds can you can have union. You know, so we got to take this body form out of the equation. Otherwise, it's going to trip us up because the whole relationship has the, you know, God sees no bodies, love, you know, either. <clears throat> So that's always a trip up, you know, if, uh, cause you know, the body is the bait again, you know, it'll suck me back down and what I learned poorly. And, uh, it'll bring that white whale up on me. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, <laughs> what we're seeing to me that the world we see is just the wallpaper, the outside wallpaper, the inside wallpaper that I've papered up, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. It's the world. It's just how I happen to be laying, uh, whatever they call it, laying wallpaper every day. Every, every look, I'm just, you know. And, and, and wallpaper is so outdated. Oh, I guess uh, I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Just find that stuff anywhere. You know, one head. of the models that. I, I need to find a new job then instead of wallpaper. Wow. <laughs> Regina, were you going to say something? I was, yeah, you guys are. Are you there, Regina? I'm here. You guys are freezing up on me, but I'm here. Models that I have come to really, really, really embrace and, and live is that my expectations of others may never be their realities and it's okay keep it moving <laughs> i think i need to come up with like a book of all the quotes you guys come up with because you are sometimes just incredibly insightful in a hysterically funny way <laughs> well that's texas for you you know <laughs> jesus was really born in texas Cowgirls, yeah, huh? <laughs> Let's do the next section before we go break is um, entering the arc. So for those of you in Texas right now, this seems appropriate. Skin <laughs> <laughs> arc out there and float y'all out of there. <laughs> yeah, really. Okay. Who's next? I think I, did I read last? No. Um, did Regina? Did you read last, Regina? She so. did. You're right. Yeah, I did. Uh huh. Jesus. Uh, Nothing can hurt you unless you give it the power to do so. For you give power as the laws of this world interpret giving. As you, uh, as you give, you lose. It is not up to you to give power at all. Power is of God, given by Him and reawakened by the Holy Spirit. Who knows that as you give, you gain. Who knows that as you give, you gain. He gives no power to sin, and therefore it has none. Nor do its results as this world sees them, sickness and death and misery and pain. These things have not occurred because the Holy Spirit sees them not and gives no power to their seeming source. Thus would he keep you free of them. Being without illusion of what you are, the Holy Spirit merely gives everything to God, who has already given and received all that is true. The untrue he has neither received nor given. Sin has no place in heaven where its results are alien and can no more enter than can their source. And therein lies your need to see your brother sinless. In him is heaven. See sin in wow. bed, and heaven is lost to you. But see him as he is, and what is yours shines from him to you. Your Savior gives you only love, but what you would receive of him is up to you. It lies in him to overlook all your mistakes, and therein lies his own salvation. And so it is with yours. 
Salvation is a lesson in giving as the Holy Spirit interprets it. It is the reawakening of the laws of God in minds that have established other laws and given them power to enforce what God created not. It's <clears throat> a good paragraph. Mm. Your insane laws were made to guarantee that you would make mistakes and give them power over you by accepting their results as you're just due. What could this be but madness? And is it, is it this that you would see within your Savior from, that you would see within your Savior from insanity? Mm-hmm. He is as free from this as you are. And in the freedom that you see in him, you see your own. For this you share. What God has given follows his laws and his alone. Nor is it possible for those who follow them to suffer the results of any other source. Those who choose freedom will experience only its results. Their power is of God and they will give it only to what God has given to share with them. Nothing but this can touch them, for they see only this, sharing their power according to the will of God, and thus their freedom is established and maintained. It is upheld through all temptation to imprison and to be imprisoned. It is of them who learned of freedom that you should ask what freedom is. Ask not the sparrow how the eagle soars, for those with little wings have not accepted for themselves the power to share with you. Oh, that's a good statement. Um, You're on paragraph 32. (laughs) Yes. The sinless give as they receive. See, then the power of sinlessness within your brother and share with him the power of the release from sin you offered him. To box this earth in seeming solitude is a savior given whose special function here is to release him and so to free himself in the world of separation each is appointed separately though they are all the same yet those who know that they are all the same need not salvation and each one finds his savior when he is ready to look upon the face of Christ and see him sinless. Oh, the plan is not of you, nor need you be concerned with anything except the part that has been given you to learn. For he who knows the rest will see to it without your help. But think not that he does not need your part to help him with the rest. For in your part lies all of it, without which is no part complete, nor is the whole completed without your part. The ark of peace is entered two by two, yet the beginning of another world goes with them. Each holy relationship must enter here to learn its special function in the Holy Spirit's plan, now that it shares the purpose. And as this purpose is fulfilled, a new world rises in which sin can enter or not, and where the Son of God can enter without fear, and where he rests a while to forget imprisonment and to remember freedom. How can he enter to rest and to remember without you? Except you be there, he is not complete. 
and it is his completion that he remembers there. This is the purpose given you. Think not that your forgiveness of each other serves but you two alone. For the whole new world rests in the hands of every two who enter here to rest. And as they rest, the face of Christ shines on them. And they remember the laws of God, forgetting all the rest, and yearning only to have his laws perfectly fulfilled in them and all their brothers. Think you when this has been achieved that you will rest without them? You could no more leave one of them outside than I could leave you and forget part of myself. You may wonder how you can be at peace when, while you are ever, when, while you are in time, there is so much that must be done before the way to peace is open. Perhaps this seems impossible to you, but ask yourself if it is possible that God would have a plan for your salvation that does not work. Once you accept his plan as the one function that you would fulfill, there will be nothing else the Holy Spirit will not arrange for you without your effort. He will go before you, making straight your path and leading in your way. No stones to trip on and no obstacles to bar your way. Nothing you need will be denied you. Not one seeming difficulty, but will melt away before you reach it. You need take care. You you need take thought for nothing, careless of everything except the only purpose that you would fulfill. As that was given you, so will its fulfillment be. God's guarantee will hold against all obstacles, for it rests on certainty and not contingency. It rests on you, and what can be more certain than a son of God? Mm. 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 You know, I never, I, I never um, uh, associated the. I've, I've, I've kind of with years wondered why the ark, you know, going in two by two, and and this is the first time I've, I've seen this. And I've actually become aware of it about the ark entering two by two. And Great analogy. Yeah, that was cool. What paragraph are you in, Jack? Uh, that, that's on uh, paragraph 33. Who's got a phone? I got to turn it up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. A uh, side note um, Regina, this is actually a question whether I'll answer it or not. Um, like in paragraph 29, if you look, there's a sentence that's in brackets. Um, are you familiar at all with what that references or why things are in brackets sometimes? Because I can review that real quickly. Uh, let's see. Salvation is a lesson in giving. Yeah, it's that sentence. See how it's bracketed? Um, it's a breakout of what is being talked about? No. <laughs> Yes and no. Um, so there's, and I think I sent you the flow chart of what the different versions are of ACIM. So in the original yes. edition, you've got the notes that Helen wrote in shorthand. You have the mm. er text, which is when Bill and Helen together took the notes and transcribed them into regular English. 
You okay. then have the Hewlin Casey edition, which is edits of the Urtext. So it's like you've got the notes, translate into English, and then the first edits. Sometimes that first set of edits randomly lost a sentence here or there. And the thought is, is that it was just, you know, they were editing 600 plus, you know, whatever pages. And so sometimes they just miss one. And so the original edition, which is after that one, so four, four rows down, the original edition, if it looks like something was just randomly accidentally missed in the Hewlin Casey version that had been there in the previous Urtext edition, the original edition puts it back in, but they put it in brackets. And so that means it's not in the Hewlin Casey edition, but they think it okay. should have been there since it was in the Urtext. Okay. Got it. Thank you yeah. so much. No problem. <laughs> I needed that. I needed that. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. I think I sent it to the little diagram of the version because it kind of You'll hear a lot of people arguing what version should be studied. At least that way you kind of understand what the differences are. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. Any comments on this section? Just, just one I've, I've got is um, down there on 31. Uh, it says, ask not the sparrow how the eagle soars. For those with little wings have not accepted for themselves the power to share with you. Mm. You know, I, I guess what struck me this time in reading that was that uh, as I've grown with the course, I've realized that as I have allowed myself to practice just being at peace, I've, I've uh, become aware of how much I used to just kind of shelter myself from understanding, shelter myself from uh, that communication with the Holy Spirit. And as I practice peace, just being at peace and allowing myself to open up to Holy Spirit, I realize that this to me is what he's talking about. He, he's talking about as long as I'm going to be closed-minded and not allow myself to be at peace, I'm going to stay closed-minded. I'm going to com continue to have expectations. I'm going to continue to judge. And as, as I practice becoming aware of those times that I do those things and choose to be at peace, I will open up more to that communication and that awareness and that understanding that is there for me at all times. So I don't know if that means anything to anybody else, but it, it just opened up a, a huge door for me. Let's do this. Let's do a break. Usually we do about 10 minutes, which would put us at 918 or 1118 or 1018 or 1218 or wherever you're all at. However, if you are ready to come back before the 10 minutes are up, just pop on in, and if we're all here prior to the 10 minutes being up, we'll start early. If we're not all here until 10 minutes, then we'll start. Actually, we'll make it 19 after. Sounds good? Sounds good. Okay. Glad you're that. Yep. <laughs> Enjoy.
<laughs> Hope I enjoy the view of the doggy sleeping. <laughs> oh boy. Let's see Come in. Hey, Marcy. How are you? How's Johnny? Yeah, what's the matter with me? Uh, stomach virus? Yeah, poor baby. I'm good, good, good.
sweetheart. Oh, yes. Go ahead, you can roll over. There you go. Mm -hmm. There we go. I'm so jealous. I want a full body massage too. <laughs> Me too, for that matter. <laughs> yes. I will say she is quite the spoiled dog, but no, she's not. She's loved. <laughs> I took her Saturday. We went out to the pier and Fisherman's Wharf and all these different areas, and like. As we started heading back to the car, she just quit. She was like, I'm so tired. So I was <laughs> her like 20, probably 20 minutes at least. And it was all up uh -huh. San Francisco Hills. I was like, I was so sore by the time I got to the car. But she was like, I mean, just literally fell asleep in my arms. I was like, aw. Oh, bless her heart. Yeah. I used to live on Treasure Island. Oh, okay. Years ago. Probably, probably before you were born. <laughs> that may be. When was it? Okay. Oh, let's see. My second youngest son, I was pregnant with him, so it had to have been um, probably 1980 to 1982. Oh, yeah. I was born by then. Okay. 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 I was born like in 73, yeah. so. Whoops, sorry. Really, really? Yeah. Wow. Well, you could be one of mine, truly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my oldest, my oldest was born uh, seventy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the one I'm here with. Uh huh. Got it. Yeah, it's I'm always Reverend Tony. I tease him frequently because you know he's my supervisor. But I'm like, you know, you could be dad. He's like, oh, be quiet. <laughs> He was like, I never wanted, he, he, him nor I have kids. First off, he'll be like, okay. we found out one of our, um, one of the ministers that comes to our conference is pregnant. And he was like, oh, God bless the breeders. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh he's yeah. hilarious. He's hilarious. He's hysterical. He's he really yes. funny to work with. That's great. That's great. That's but, great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I had about oh, a week. Out of view. After I left my ex, I, think I had about a week I wanted to become a mom. And then once that week passed, I was like, oh. I'm over it. <laughs> okay, good for you. Good for you. I love my children. Would I give them back? Nah, no, I probably wouldn't. 
Uh, would I redo it in a different way? Mm, the thoughts are there, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in a fleeting moment, maybe a month or so ago, I said, oh, it would be so awesome to have a brand new baby. And I said, mm, no. I, I think maybe you had a moment of insanity. <laughs> yeah, that might be. <laughs> so move your camera too, Regina, so we can see you when you get a chance. Yeah. I, oh, okay. Um, I have to change. Okay. A couple of my friends I went to high school with, and actually in this minister we just found got pregnant, they're all in their 40s and having babies. And I'm like, you uh -huh. are crazy. I'm like, do you understand? You are going to be in your 60s when that child graduates high school. You're not even talking college yet. And you're in your 60s already. <laughs> you are crazy. And they're yeah. like, oh, it's, it's You're fun. not being oh. fair to yourself or the baby. <laughs> yeah. But it's there in their best interest. It must be, but I'm like, I still <laughs> think it's crazy. No judgment there. Yeah. <laughs> not judgment. It's not a right or wrong. It's just a personal opinion that they're crazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, good. Listen, it's an observation. Yeah, they could be all It's holy. an observation. Oh, it's an observation now. Okay. They're a holy, innocent child of God who's just a little insane. Okay. <laughs> it was real easy for us to do this judgment and justification, isn't it? It's just, it is so easy for us. We do it so naturally. <laughs> well, I say once we can see Regina's smiling face, we'll get started. We're looking at her ceiling at the moment. <laughs> nice ceiling. There she is, the ceiling. <laughs> there we go. Yay! I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. So we're on Heralds of Eternity. I'm gonna be a little snug on our time, but we'll make it. So, but just you know, on your comments, be aware I may cut you off at some point. Actually, I will cut you off at some point. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I love our group. We're so talkative. Um. <laughs> Who read last? You know? Okay. How about I'll say I go because I don't think I've read for a few. That'll work. Okay, I'll read. <laughs> Heralds of Eternity. In this world, God's Son comes closest to himself in a holy relationship. There he begins to find the certainty his Father has in him. And there he finds his function of restoring his father's laws to what was held outside them and finding what was lost. Only in time can anything be lost and never lost forever. So do the parts of God's son gradually join in time and with each joining is the end of time brought nearer. Each miracle of joining is a mighty herald of eternity. No one who has a single purpose, unified and sure, can be afraid. No one who shares his purpose with him cannot be one with him. Each herald of eternity sings of the end of sin and fear. Each speaks in time of what is far beyond it. Two voices raised together call to the hearts of everyone and let them beat as one. And in that single heartbeat, is the unity of love proclaimed and given welcome. Peace to your holy relationship. 
which has the power to hold the unity of the Son of God together. You give to one another for everyone, and in your gift is everyone made glad. Forget not who has given you the gifts you give, and through your not forgetting this, will you remember who gave the gifts to him to give to you. It is impossible to overestimate your brother's value. Only the ego does this, but all it means is that it wants the other for itself and therefore values him too little. What is inestimable clearly cannot be evaluated. Do you recognize the fear that rises from the meaningless attempt to judge what lies so far beyond your judgment you cannot even see it? Judge not what is invisible to you, or you will never see it, but wait in patience for its coming. It will be given you to see your brother's worth when all you want for him is peace, and what you want for him you will receive. How can you estimate the worth of him who offers peace to you? What would you want except his offering? His worth has been established by his father, and you will recognize it as you receive his father's gift through him. What is in him will shine so brightly in your grateful vision that you will merely love him and be glad. You will not think to judge him, for who would see the face of Christ and yet insist that judgment still has meaning? For this instance is of those who do not see vision or judgment is your choice, but never both of these. Your brother's body is as little use to you as it is to him. When it is used only as the Holy Spirit teaches, it has no function. For minds need not the body to communicate. The sight that sees the body has no use which serves the purpose of a holy relationship. And while you look upon each other thus, the means and end have not been brought in line. Why should it take so many holy instants to let this be accomplished when one would do? There is but one. The little breath of eternity that runs through time like golden light is all the same. Nothing before it, nothing afterwards. You look upon each holy instant as a different point in time. It never changes. All that it ever held or ever or will ever hold is here right now. The past takes nothing from it and the future will add no more. Here then is everything. Here is the loveliness of your relationship with means and end in perfect harmony already. Here is the perfect faith that you will one day offer to each other already offered you. And here the limitless forgiveness you will give each other already given. The face of Christ you yet will look upon already seen. Can you evaluate the giver of a gift like this? Would you exchange this gift for any other? This gift returns the law of God to your remembrance. And merely by remembering them, the laws that held you prisoner to pain and death must be forgotten. This is no gift your brother's body offers you. The veil that hides the gift hides him as well. He is the gift, and yet he knows it not. 
no more to you. And yet have faith that he who sees the gift in both of you will offer and receive it for you both. And through his vision will you see it. And through his understanding, recognize it and love it as your own. Be comforted and feel the Holy Spirit watching over you in love and perfect confidence in what he sees. He knows the Son of God and shares his Father's certainty. The, uni the universe rests in his gentle hands in safety and in peace. Let us consider now what he must learn to share his Father's confidence in. What is he that the creator of the universe should offer it to him and know it rests in safety? He looks upon himself not as his Father knows him, and yet it is impossible the confidence of God should be misplaced. Mm. Mm. Oh. oh, that's the end of that section. Yay! Mm -hmm. <laughs> I kind of just like, I, I 43, especially the second half, I just kind of underlined the whole thing. Um, it struck me this whole thing. It's like, you know, so we're lo looking at our brother as this body. And it's, you know, it's like, it's, it's in the body that it's like, he's hidden. And yet, you know, we're like, Oh wait, we, th we think we know it, but I don't know. It just says, you know, it's, it's, he's the gift and yet he knows it not no more do you. And so it's like, we're both confused because we're seeing bodies, but then it says, and yet have faith that he who sees the gift in both of you will offer and receive it for you both. I think that's nice because so much of the time it's like we struggle, I think, or at least I struggle with, I, I've got this like, well, I have to see my brother perfectly and I have to do this and I have to do that. And it's not, it's not, you know, it's not necessarily something I'm going to be able to do of my own. I'm not necessarily going to see my brother as the gift, but I can allow Holy Spirit to see my brother as the gift and then allow Holy Spirit to work in me to see it. Mm -hmm. Other thoughts, comments? Regina is hum uh, humming and agreeing with me, but not talking. I am. I'm in I, I am total agreement. Um, when I when I move out of the small self and allow the fullness of self, capital S to really, really, really come forward, then I see no separation. Yeah. I see no difference. Um, the splinter in, in my own. There is, there's nothing, there's no imperfection, you know. There's no imperfection in either of us except for perception and attachment. Yeah, I, I think, don't you imagine perception and attachment will be one and the same? Um, the perception is how I see it, and the attachment is, um, for me, is an emotion that passed on to, to someone else, when in fact, there is nothing to attach. 
uh, kind of what, uh, kind of splitting hairs, but as I see a, t uh, a perception, first of all, it's my belief, I'm attached to that belief, and then I see the, I do the projection and the perception. And and that's how, that's how, I, how I look at it, where I just kind of boil it down to one, you know. Attachment is, that's the, that's the source of all grief, misunderstanding, because it's all judgment. It's an attachment of a belief. Yeah, see, I think we're attached to the perception. I think yeah. attachment is the belief that the perception is correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's for, for me, I mean, and I agree with you. I mean, it's one and the same in, in a sense, but um, the perception that I'm speaking of is what I see with the physical eye. Mm. Um, and okay. then what I mentally tell the heart, okay, to act upon through judgment. So I'm attaching an emotion uh, based on the the physical eye's perception. That mm. you know, that's the breakdown for me. I'm still growing. Help me. Yeah, we all are. That's you guys are mighty companions here. That's what we're. I like that, that paragraph, uh, you know, 41, not to beat a dead horse too much, but your, your body's brother is as little use to you as it is to him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, wow. It's just all mind. Well, he says it every way he can possibly say to beat it in us, right? Yeah, yeah. And I still want to hold on to some sort of value in a body, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a crock, man. Uh. <laughs> well, let's move on. We've got the Temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay. I think, Regina, did you read that? I am next. Okay. Okay. The meaning of the Son of God lies solely in his relationship with his, with his creator. If it were elsewhere, it would rest upon contingency, but there is nothing else. And this is holy, loving, and forever. Yet has the Son of God invented an unholy relationship between him and his Father, his relationship is one of perfect union and unbroken continuity. The one he made is partial, self-centered, and into fragments and full of fear. The one created by his father is wholly self-encompassing and self-extending. The one he made is wholly self-destructive and self-limiting. Nothing can show the contrast better than the experience of both a holy and an unholy relationship. The first is based on love and rests on it, serene and undisturbed. The body does not intrude upon it. Any relationship in which the body enters is based not on love, but on idolatry. Love wishes to be known, completely understood and shared. It has no secrets, nothing that it would keep apart and hide. It walks in sunlight, open, hide and calm in smiling welcome and in sincerity so simple and so obvious it cannot be misunderstood, but idols do not share. 
Idols accept but never make return. They can be loved but cannot love. No. They do not understand what they are offered, and any relationship in which they enter has lost its meaning. They live in secrecy, hating the sunlight, and happy in the body's darkness, where they can hide and keep their secrets hidden along with them. And they have no relationships, for no one else is welcome there. They smile on no one, and those who smile on them they do not see. Love has no darkened temples where mysteries are kept obscure and hidden from the sun. It does not seek for power, but for relationships. The body is the ego's chosen weapon for seeking power through relationships. And its relationship must be unholy. For what they are, it does not even see. It wants them solely for the offerings on which its idols thrive. The rest is merely throw the rest it merely throws away, for all that it could offer is seen as valueless. Homeless, the ego seeks as many bodies as it can collect to place its idols in and so establish them as temples to itself. It's interesting. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's temple is not a body but a relationship. The body is an isolated speck of darkness, a hidden secret room, a tiny spot of senseless mystery, a meaningless enclosure, carefully protected yet hiding nothing. Here the unholy relationship escapes reality and seeks for crumbs to keep itself alive. No. <laughs> here, <laughs> here it would drag its brothers, holding them here in its idolatry. <clears throat> here it is safe. For here love cannot enter. The Holy Spirit does not build his temples where love can never be. Would he who sees the face of Christ choose as his home the only place in all the universe where it cannot be seen? <laughs> you cannot make the body the Holy Spirit's temple, and it will never be the seat of love. It is the home of the idolater and of love's condemnation. For here is love made fearful and hope abandoned. Even the idols that are worshipped here are shrouded in mystery and kept apart from those who worship them. This is the temple dedicated to no relationships and no return. Here is the mystery of separation, perceived in awe and held in reverence. What God would not would have. Let me start that again. What God would have not be is here kept safe from him. But what you do know, what you do not realize is what you fear within your brother and would not see in him is what makes God seem fearful to you and kept unknown. Idolaters will always be afraid of love for nothing so severely threatens them as love's approach. Let love draw them and overlook the body as it will surely do, and they retreat in fear, feeling the seeming firm foundation of their temple begin to shake and loosen. Brothers, you tremble with them, yet what you fear is but the herald of escape. This place of darkness is not your home. Your temple is not threatened. You are idolaters no longer. The Holy Spirit's purpose lies safe in your relationship, 
and not your bodies. You have escaped the body. Where you are, the body cannot enter, for the Holy Spirit has set his temple there. There is no order in relationships. They either are or not. An unholy relationship is no relationship. It is a state of isolation which seems to be what it is not. No more than that. The instant that the mad idea of making a relationship with God unholy seemed to be possible, all your relationships were made meaningless. In that unholy instant, time was born and bodies made to house the mad idea and give it the illusion of reality. And so it seemed to have a home that held together for a little while in time and vanished. For what could house this mad idea against reality but for an instant? Idols must disappear and leave no trace behind their going. The unholy instant of their seeming power is frail as is a snowflake, but without its loveliness. Is this the substitute you want for the eternal blessing of the holy instant and its unlimited beneficence? Is the middle, never can't say that word, Malevolence. Malevolence. Thank you. Is the malevolence of the unholy relationship so seemingly powerful and so bitterly misunderstood and so invested in a false attraction, your preference to the body, the, your preference to the holy instant which offers you peace and understanding? Then lay aside the body and quietly transcend it, rising to welcome what you really want. And from his holy temple, look you not back on what you have awakened from. For no illusions can attract the mind, the minds that have transitioned them and left them far behind. The holy relationship reflects the true relationship the Son of God has with his Father in reality. The Holy Spirit rests within it in the certainty it will endure forever. Its firm foundation is eternally upheld by truth, and love shines on it with the gentle smile and tender blessing it offers to its own. Here the unholy instant is exchanged in gladness for the holy one of safe return. Here is the way to, to true relationships, held gently open, through which you walk together, leaving the body thankfully behind and resting in the everlasting arms. Love's arms are open to receive you and give you peace forever. The body is the ego's idol. The belief in sin made flesh and then projected outward. This produces what seems to be a wall of flesh around the mind, keeping it prisoner in a tiny spot of space and time, beholden unto death and given but an instant in which to sigh and grieve and die in honor of its master. And this unholy instant seems to be life, an instant of despair, a tiny island of dry sand, bereft of water and set uncertainty, uncertainly upon oblivion. Here does the Son of God stop briefly by to offer his devotion to death's idols and then pass on and here he is more dead than living yet it is also here 
he makes his choice again between idolatry and love. Here it is given him to choose to spend this instant paying tribute to the body or let himself be given freedom from it. Here he can accept the holy instant offered him to replace the unholy one he chose before. And here can he learn relationships are his salvation and not his doom. You who are learning this way may still be fearful, but you are not immobilized. The holy instant is of greater value now to you than its unholy seeming counterpart. And you have learned you really want but one. This is no time for sadness, perhaps confusion, but hardly the same. <laughs> <laughs> you have a real relationship and it has meaning it is is like your real relationship with god as equal things are like unto each other idolatry is past and meaningless perhaps you fear each other a little yet perhaps the shadow of the fear of god remains within you Yet what is that to those who have been given one true relationship beyond the body? Can they be long held back from looking on the face of Christ? And can they long withhold the memory of their relationship with their father from themselves and keep remembrance of his love apart from their awareness? Reminds me, where where did uh, did anybody else get the sense growing up that uh, religion, I guess Christianity or whatever religion you may associate with, uh, that the body is is a temple? Mm -hmm. Yes. Tell me, yes. where did that come from? Uh, Bible first. Yeah. Yeah. How did we misinterpret that? <laughs> Good one. Good question. I just didn't hear it, I guess. Well, I mean, that's the way it was coming across, you know, in the sermons and in the classrooms and everything else. Mm -hmm. Now, I look at I look at the body is a thing that you can practice with. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you can learn how to take care of the body, okay, then you can relate it to taking care of your awakening. But, you know, to, to actually make the body um, proclaim it to be something holy and, and a temple of God, it was, I never could grasp that, but it was always taught to me. I'm glad that's clear. <laughs> I'm glad I was able to clear that up. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, I'm looking at, I just Googled it. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 talks about being the temple of God. What's it say exactly? Um, there's a couple of different translations on it. Um, Aside from the translation. It says, what... What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Well, that's definitely how we misinterpreted it. Yep. <laughs> is there an Aramaic translation there before you, um, Kelly? Uh, yeah, I don't know what version that was. 
Actually, that was like on the Latter-day Saints website, but it was the same as another website that had come up. So I'm not sure what version that was. Well, that interpretation has seemed to held over the years for long before us. So, you know, regardless of whatever version it was, it was misinterpreted. It was misinterpreted over many revisions and many versions. So. Yeah, I was going to say not necessarily misinterpreted, but mispresented to us, and then accepted. There's a difference. That's true. That's true. I think so. Yeah, because <laughs> like if somebody says to you. You know, um, this is my dog. I'm going to use a really stupid example. This is my dog. And you look at it and you think that's a cat. That's a, misrep that's a misinterpretation. You're not understanding what I'm saying. But a miscommunication would be, I would say to you, it's a cat when it's not a cat. And so you might believe it's a cat, but it's based on the statement I gave you versus your yeah, it's yeah, kind of, the same either way. You think my dog is a cat and it's not a cat, but <laughs> it's kind of like kind of like the interpretation of an error and a sin. Yeah, you know, yeah I it, heard Reverend Tony called called Susan's cat a mistake. No, <laughs> now that's just me. <laughs> well, I guess he said, he said that in class. There was a discussion of the sin idea of sin versus mistake. <laughs> And he said the cat walking across was a mistake, but not a sin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gee. For Regina's info, I wasn't here a couple weeks ago, so Reverend Tony subbed in. So <laughs> they had a discussion about Susan's cat, apparently, I was told. <laughs> okay. Okay. Is that the end? No, we got one more section. <clears throat> okay. So I read last, so that would be Jack. We're starting with the consistency of means and end. Okay. We have said much about discrepancies of means and end and how these must be brought in line before your holy relationship can bring you only joy. But we have also said the means to meet the Holy Spirit's goal will come from the same source as does his purpose. Being so simple and direct, this course has nothing in it that is not consistent. This seeming inconsistency or parts you find more difficult than others are merely indications of areas where means and end are still discrepant. And this produces great discomfort. This need not be. The course requires almost nothing of you. It is impossible to imagine one that has so little or could offer more. <clears throat> the period of discomfort that follows the sudden change in a relationship from sin to holiness should now be almost over. <clears throat> to the extent you still experience it, you're refusing to leave the means to him who changed the purpose. You recognize you want the goal. Are you not also willing to accept the means? If you are not, let us admit that you are inconsistent. A purpose is attained by means, and if you want a purpose, you must be willing to want the means as well. How can one be sincere and say, I want this above all else, and yet I do not want to learn the means to get it? Okay. <laughs> 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 
I'm fine. <laughs> Great. I just want to give it to you. <laughs> yeah. To obtain the goal, the Holy Spirit indeed asks little. He asks no more to give the means as well. The means are second to the goal. And when you hesitate, it is because the purpose frightens you and not the means. Remember, remember this, for otherwise you will make the error of believing the means are difficult. How can they be difficult if they are merely given you? They guarantee the goal and they are perfect with it. Before we look at them a little closer, remember that if you think they are impossible, your warning of the purpose has been shaken. For if a goal is possible to reach, the means to do so must be possible as well. It is impossible to see your brother as sinless and yet to look upon him as a body. Is this not perfectly consistent with the goal of holiness? For holiness is merely the result of letting the effects of sin be lifted that what was always true is recognized. Within this body is impossible, for holiness is positive and the body is merely neutral. It is not sinful, but neither is it sinless. As nothing which it is, the body cannot meaningfully be invested with attributes of Christ or of the ego. Either must be in error, for both would place the attributes where they cannot be, and both must be undone for purposes of truth. The body is the means by which the ego tries to make the unholy relationship seem real. The unholy instant is the time of bodies, but the purpose here is sin. It cannot be attained but an illusion, and so the illusion of a brother as a body is quite in keeping with the purpose of unholiness. Because of this, in, because of this consistency, the means remain unquestioned while the end is cherished. Vision adapts to wish, for sight is always secondary to desire. And if you choose, sorry, and if you see the body, you have chosen judgment and not vision. For vision-like relationships has no order. You either see or not. <laughs> Who sees a, a brother's body has laid a judgment on him and sees him not. He does not really see him as sinful. He does not see him at all. In the darkness of sin, he is invisible. He can but be imagined in the darkness, and it is here that the illusions you hold about him are not held up to his reality. Here are illusions and reality kept separate. Here are illusions never brought to truth and always hidden from it. And here is darkness in your brother's reality imagined as a body, an unholy relationship with other bodies, serving the cause of sin and an instant before he dies. There is indeed a difference between this vain imagining and vision. The difference lies not in them, but in their purpose. Both are but means, each one appropriate to the end for which it is employed. Neither can serve the purpose of the other, for each one is a choice of purpose employed on its behalf. 
Either is meaningless without the end for which it was intended, nor is it valued as a separate thing apart from the intention. The means seem real because the goal is valued, and judgment has no value unless the goal is sin. <laughs> Excuse me. The body cannot be looked upon except through judgment. To see the body is the sign that you lack vision and have denied the means the Holy Spirit offers you to serve his purpose. How can a holy relationship achieve its purpose through the means of sin? Judgment you thought you taught yourself. Vision is learned from him who would undo your teaching. His vision cannot see the body because it cannot look on sin. And thus, it leads you to reality. Your holy brother, sight of whom is your release, is no illusion. Attempt to see him not in darkness, for your imaginings about him will seem real there. You close your eyes to shut him out. Such is your purpose. And while this purpose seems to have any meaning, the means seem. And so, go ahead, Susan, on 66. The question should not be, how can I see my brother without the body? Ask only, do I really wish to see him sinless? And as you ask, forget not that his sinlessness is your escape from fear. Salvation is the Holy Spirit's goal. The means is vision. For what the seeing look upon is sinless. No one who loves can judge. And what he sees is free of condemnation. And what he sees he cannot make for it was given him to see, as was the vision which made his seeing possible. <clears throat> Good stuff. Yeah. Any last minute thoughts on that section? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is like, we're done, we're out of here. <laughs> That was really good for me, obviously. <laughs> I read it, um, part of it last week and some of it this morning, and I was just like, shit. <laughs> but as you read it again now, I feel this peace. It's like doing it with you all centers me and grounds me. Doing it by myself, I struggle. Yes. This was good. Yes, yes, yes. I look forward to this myself. <laughs> I do too. It's, it's do so, too. you know, it, it's, it, for me, it's, it's reinforcement. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so many new things come out of it for me to, to embrace and uh, reinforce. So good, strong medicine there. It's there you go. There you go. It's, it's good. To, <laughs> good stuff. It's, Have some food. Food. <laughs> it's soul food. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, well, let's do a closing prayer. And then if anybody wants to hang out and chat, I'll leave the room open while I go finish getting ready for work. So <laughs> take a moment, take a breath, close your eyes. Oh. 
We're so grateful it's Tuesday. We're so grateful for all the sharing and laughter and fun that we're able to look at material that is at times challenging. And yet in joining together, we're able to work through it with smiles and laughs. We just commit our day to spirit saying and doing and being that which we're called to be. We allow ourselves to release any thoughts of judgment, any worries, any fears, and allow ourselves to follow where we are guided. We send the love and blessing to all beings, knowing that we are one with them, and we allow it to be, and so it is. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Have a great week, everyone. You too, Regina. <laughs> Thank you. You hanging around, Jack? Or you got something to do? Oh, I've always got things to do, but I'm I'm hanging around always. <laughs> oh boy, I love these opportunities. Yeah, me too. It's strong medicine here. Yeah. 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 So you said you were coming back soon, right? Actually, I probably you're gonna be in class uh, Sunday. Uh, this coming Sunday. Yeah. Let's see what's happening this Sunday. Well, I, I should be there for a part of the class anyway. Uh, my grandson's got a birthday party at eleven. I'm going to cut out, but. Uh, oh, uh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. All right. I'll be there. Well, I'll see you before you know it. How about that? Well, good. Good yeah. deal. Ready for that bear hug, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I tell you what, I have been just keeping myself busy as a beaver here lately. Good. Good I got to go out, make today's off and tomorrow's off, but uh, I've, I've got a job over a couple of houses I've got to get done. Uh -huh. oh, it's been just kind of crazy. <laughs> just hadn't been able to do what I can when I can. So. Fortunately, I've got a lot of good customers that, that uh, you know, uh, are just real understanding that they understand right off the bat that, you know, I do a little part-time thing and I can be over here whenever I can get there. So, mm -hmm. but I think that's a good uh, metaphor. You know, the, your world is, you wallpaper your world. So those good customers you got, that's because you got them in your mind, you know, and you're just <laughs> wallpapering them out there. Yeah, you're seeing, you're seeing what's inside. Yeah, that's good. For sure. Well, I'm 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 really liking that. I'm I'm hoping that you know I just got done getting getting through all my Medicare stuff and and getting that all set up. And I think I'm well on my way to getting getting that all resolved. And, and uh, we'll see how next year goes. <laughs> What I'm worried about, we just got through reading that the body is useless. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know how much longer I'm going to believe that this is real. <laughs> yeah, uh, you have some doubt there to work on. I see. Yeah, yeah. I really do. So, But this is really interesting. This, These sections that we read today are, are just, they're worth reading again. Yeah, they're good. Uh, because they are they are really good because they they really tell us how much we we cling to this, this yeah you know you know we we've 
gotten so used, Jack, to thinking the body has desires, you know, even hunger and all this other kind of crap. And to, to really accept where it is, it's all the mind and, and it's projecting all this stuff out. Yeah. It's just incredible, isn't it? You know, I, I used to think that the body had some desires, you know. So yeah. uh, and it's just my mind that's putting those desires, you know, transmitting them to this uh, meat suit. So, <clears throat> you know, one thing about it, those desires, you know, I thought, well, it wouldn't do any good to neuter yourself because it's all coming from your mind. So you got to neuter that image of the body <laughs> in the mind, you know. And uh, Well, Jesus made it real clear. He, he, um, he said whenever you have these desires and, and things of that nature, to turn it over to him. To let I know, him. I know. And he will, he will correct in your mind uh, the, the true understanding. He will help you to understand. And it's done through the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is what gives us, you know, presents us with the truth and allows us this. I love it that I'm understanding that Jesus works in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus kind of helps the Holy Spirit realize that, you know, I'm ready, I'm primed, I'm ready to receive this, so give it. <laughs> I know, and I do that, but you know, some, and uh, <clears throat> but I don't have consistent uh, results there. I, I keep reeling it back, or it's so sure. dense. That, uh, I, uh, uh, yeah, and and the key is is don't feel guilty about it. No, I don't feel guilty about it. It's just a little, sometimes it's frustrating, you know, and so uh, you yeah. know. Uh, say, well, that's okay. I guess I'll feed that. I'll feed that body. You know what he wants. <laughs> and, uh, I just get to a point where I go, okay. I guess I'm not ready to receive it yet. So yeah, I guess I'm not. Ready. Bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> exactly. So I I stay out of that guilt arena. Yeah, you know, yeah. And yeah. and uh, that fear arena as much as possible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I know that's just me in my justifications and my judgments and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff, and and I, that's not a real happy place to be. No, well, we we've come far enough to know that that uh, we can see it when it crops up in our mind, and so we delete it pretty quick, or we go the other way. So yeah, all right. So that, and that's the good thing about this is it becomes more transparent. You know, the mind. And the, the two programs that seem to overlay, you know, your ego programming and then the the truth. And it's it's more transparent when you see the ego dancing in your screen of consciousness, you know? Yeah. Sometimes it's pretty good dance and you know, I get caught up in it, you know, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, wondering yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just I just never let it I I try my best not to ever let it carry over into making it any more real than than it really is <laughs> even though it didn't always work but you know uh, at least i'm aware of it yeah yeah that's right more that's, than anything that's the key first first step is to be aware you know if you're not then we're just sleepwalking and we're 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 puppets for sure you know sometimes i'm sometimes i just go off into just kind of a little mini prayer where i'm just I'm thanking Jesus, thanking Holy Spirit for just making me aware so I don't have to suffer guilt. I don't have to suffer fear. I don't have to suffer doubt. 
you know, I, I don't, I don't have to continue to judge. I don't have, yeah, I can be aware of it, but I don't have to continue doing it. You know, <laughs> and because I know as I look back on how I, I used to handle things and used to deal with things, and how much I burdened myself down with guilt and fears, and and I don't have to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And that is so free. And I, I had a really good conversation with my son this, this week here, a few days back. Uh, he came over and he helped me out with a little job I was working on. And, and then we, we came back over here and we sat out in the garage and, and just talked. And I guess we spent about three hours just talking about things. Oh, fantastic. Oh, it was great. It was just great. Um, it was, it was so neat to see some of the things that were coming forth. I, I mean, every time I sit down and share with somebody, doesn't matter who it is, I get, I get understandings that I didn't have before. <laughs> and, yeah. and they just kind of pop out in different ways and, and bring me different perspectives of, of how I'm looking at things or I, I have taught myself to look at things. Mm-hmm. And I'm freeing myself up from a lot of those things or those ideals that I created before and believed in. And, and now I can begin to let them go. And every conversation I have gives me some aspect of it that I can let go of. Mm-hmm. So it's great. Yeah, you're exactly right. <clears throat> so how are your groups down there? Are you still? Really good. Uh, you know that. <clears throat> There's one guy in the in the class that he's uh, uh, I kind of encouraged him you know to start another one on Wednesday night so he's got a we got another group on Wednesday night and he's going to be a real good teacher and uh, good guy so yeah they're good and the ones up there are good too you know and this is good so it's it's all good I guess yeah well, absolutely yeah absolutely. I keep thinking of wanting to start a start a group, you know, up this way, and uh, like we used to have, um, or similar, similar to it. But, uh, things are just not, not exactly, you know, I, I guess things are not laying out so I can do that right now. So, but, yeah, I'll be up for it if you get one together, you know, and, uh, uh, yeah. We, we do, you know, those two a week there at the Unity, but, you know, yeah. I was I was going to Arlington too for one day a week, and it, it was it's okay over there. Like, not as good as Fort Worth, but it's okay. Well, I, I mean, I've visited over there in Arlington a few times, and then they seem a little bit more sedate than, than yeah. what I cared for. But yeah, well, we go over there and shake them up. You know, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I'm gonna get to go visit yeah. them with you again. Throw some black cats in the door for you. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up. Wake up, you sick boss. Yeah. Well, it's it's really easy to get in, you know, kind of just get in, in a rut of, of just talking about things and, and and just being around, hanging around and letting somebody just tell you this and tell you that. But it's another thing to personally be involved in the sharing. And, and the uh, and the communicating because uh, you, you just 
I don't know. For me, it's like if you keep things inside, you, you never give anybody else to share with you and, and shine a little bit different light on. So you just be willing to share. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're one. We're all one. And sharing from a separated standpoint, sharing is just a natural way to get back to realizing that you're one. Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, people fear sharing. They're afraid to share. Mm. And I'm so glad that sometime back I was able to go, you know what? It doesn't matter. Let people judge me. Let people, you know, uh, think what they want. But I have got to get this out mm -hmm. because I need to see things differently. Yeah. So. I, I like that expression. And of course, if you look for yourself in yourself, you won't find yourself because that's not, you know, and that's what you're just saying right there. You know, yeah. only in relationships outside can you see what's inside. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's all paper business again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've been hanging Jack wallpaper up there today, you know. I see, <laughs> I see. Jack Owen wallpaper, I see. Oh, man. Sounds like this has really been a, a truly blissful trip for you. Yeah, summer. yeah. Well, yeah. It's it, certainly different than uh, what uh, what I usually do. And uh, you know, I mentioned that Moby Dick business. That was interesting because uh, yeah. uh, that whole week, you know, here with uh, my 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 ex. I don't like to use the word ex. You know, it was still a relationship mentally, but you know. Um, at any rate, for them being all down here, the whole family again, because we used to live here, all of us. At any rate, uh, Jack, that was like, I couldn't escape some buried, I had 10 years of buried guilt that, uh, that when I left her, you know, uh, I left her for another woman. And uh, I sugarcoated it with, I couldn't do it any, it was, I couldn't have done it any different. But I, I finally had the opportunity, Moby Dick came up, you know, that, uh, in my mind, of course, that, uh, that, yeah, I owned it. You know, I, I hurt people, you know, my past behaviors had a lot of hurt, a lot of pain and tears, you know? And so having that come up was a real healing personally for me. I don't know about anybody else, but that's the only thing. That, so it was, it was a really great gift. And um, it sounds like it. Yeah, it was it was Moby Dick came up from the very bottom. I put uh, I'd uh, <laughs> he'd come up a little while before, but you know he went down too quick. This time I couldn't get away from him. You know they were here in front of me for a week. You know <laughs> I had time to I had time to. Uh, well, and I think that there's there's things like that. I, I think there's a Moby Dick swimming around down there from my past marriage too. Um, and, and I just don't really know, you know, what or what can be done or what is to be done or what will be done. You know, <laughs> I, I try to just not think about it too much anymore and, and just wait for any opportunity to come up because I know the opportunity, if an opportunity presents itself, it's because I, there was a lesson I still have not learned. So, you know, Moby Dick will rise to the surface again, you know, if there's something that I have, I'm just not, you know, allowing myself to understand. 
in any other way. Uh, I think it really helped Susan out today. Uh, it seemed to have uh, that that analogy, uh, but well, it, analogous to all of us, actually. <laughs> you know what what happened in the rest of that book, though. You know, if we're not careful in the actual book. Ahab, the uh, Moby Dick, took him down. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah, and so that's what can happen. That's the sea of unconsciousness. And if we don't deal with those demons down there, you know, shit, they, they'll kill you, you know? Yeah. And um, I, I don't think it's the thing that we're trying to kill the whale when he comes up. I don't think that's the message, really. It's more like um, uh, realize that I created Moby Dick, you know? He's the root, you know, and uh, I've got to own it. I created him, you know, and... Uh, there's not anything about being friends with it or anything. It's just a matter of realizing it's just nothing. I created nothing and let this big thing, big whale of a nothing go <laughs> go away. <laughs> well, you know, the thing was, was Ahab, he decided to to keep on attacking. Yeah, he was attacking. He wanted to, because he, he, Moby Dick had taken his leg the first time, you know. Yeah. And so he, he was going back for revenge, you know. Exactly. <laughs> If you keep on attacking it, never change your mind about what it's really about. It'll take you down. It'll take you down. That's a good. That's a good analogy. Good. Good synopsis there, Jack. That's it. Yeah. So what's the value? I've started. I've started looking at things like that, and and as I've talked to people, I've realized that, and in my conversation with my son the other night, the same way. Uh, you know, so many of us look at things that happen to us and that we've got to react in, in some kind of defensive way. And that's why it talks about in the course about our defenselessness is our, is our best defense. Yeah. You know, because as long as we're willing to be defensive and are going the attack, then it has a, a tremendous potential of making things worse. Oh, it, it, it's a law. It will. <laughs> It will go there. So, and it can go. And I, I wrote on this myself on one of my journaling things about it. It can take you even to the point of committing suicide. Oh yeah. Now, so that's one of the the, the little bit more harsher results. I guess you might say, mm -hmm. but it can take you to that level. Mm -hmm. Taking well, this this whole world will take you there if you believe it. You know that it is formed. Nobody passes through here without those thoughts going through their head because this is completely insane. Yeah. And, and uh, so, <laughs> you know, and we think that that's the exit, you know. That's the only reason you don't go to sleep at night is to escape your mind, you know. <laughs> he, he, he's a terrorist. There's a terrorist that lives up here. <laughs> Every time I get attacked thoughts, I, I have to go and look at it differently. I say, something's not right. I'm trying to attack. And I've got to change my mind. And I have to look at it from a different perspective and allow spirit to just kind of enlighten me because I'm not seeing it correctly. Yeah, well, see, we got a, everybody's got an Osama bin Laden inside our head, you know? <laughs> That's what it is. So, yeah, but you can, you can, 
uninvite that guest. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's 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 the whale. You know, when you see him up there, say, oh, I see. It. You know, adios. You know, I don't, uh, <laughs> don't pay any mind and uh, go back to go back to your other business. <laughs> Whatever. Really? Put your glass of wine down and get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, I'm gonna go get ready. I've got to get over and start working on this house. All right, Jack. Always, always a pleasure, brother. Myself. I look forward to seeing you Sunday. <laughs> All right. All right. Stay well. Bye -bye. Have a great week. Bye bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.